It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. That's for my crazy day. My pack commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. (laughs) Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, Audio Boom, iTunes. If you've missed any of our shows this week, our 2016 season in review continues. We've hit on all the top free agents. Kevin Zeitler, Andrew Whitworth, Dre Kirkpatrick, Domita Pecco, Brandon LaFell, Rex Burkhead, and so much more this week with our buddy Joe Goodberry. And he will be joining us in a matter of moments to discuss, well, a potential bust. Cedric Abwehi, what is going to happen with Abwehi this offseason? Will he be the left tackle of the future? Or will the Bengals have to chalk up their former first-round pick as a bust? I will ask Joe. Plus, we will touch on a guy that, well, was picked after Abwehi, but looks to be better than Abwehi and Jake Fisher also a tackle expected to be the starting right tackle for the Bengals next year. Follow me on Twitter at James Erpine, also at Locked on Bengals. We're growing there on Twitter up to over 33,000 listens. We're 25, we're 75 episodes in, 25 away from show 100. A lot to get to. We'll be into draft talk by then, by the time we have our 100th show. What we're going to continue our season in review today. Let's Dive right in. Joe Goodberry's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. He's a really good Twitter follow for anybody who's into the NFL draft, anyone who is into the Cincinnati Bengals, and really the NFL in general. Really good, knowledgeable guy, approaching 10,000 followers. So uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, give him a follow at Joe Goodberry. Joe Cedric Abwehi, clearly the the weak link on this offensive line. Uh, it was basically his first season. What did you think? of Cedric Obwehi's 2016 performance. Well, it was dreadful, but to be <laughs> honest, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. He, he was terrible. He killed a lot of plays for the Bengals, and I think he really hampered the offense, what they wanted to do. Uh, even when, when Eifert was healthy and, and Obwehi had about six, seven games starting, they kept using Eifert to help out at, at right tackle, to help block. And I thought that was a terrible situation. You're taking one of your best uh, fast receivers out of the game, basically, at that point. Uh, oh, boy, he was just – it was very frustrating that they held on to him so long, starting at right tackle, knowing they had a, a decent veteran in Eric Winston, who's really not starter quality, but he can give you quality snaps. And then you have Jake Fisher backing him up. So it, it was really frustrating to watch a boy he struggled the way he did. And uh, to be honest, a lot of it was the same exact struggles 
we saw at Texas A and M. If, if you watch him, watch them in college. If, if you're a draft guy, you knew exactly who he was coming out. He, he was a, a finesse blocker. Yes, he was a really good athlete, but it, his hands were very soft. He was very late for his punch. He, he could get bull rushed very easily. We saw all of those things this year. And then when they tried to use his athleticism to their advantage in the run game and pulling and getting him out in space. He couldn't locate blockers. He didn't always know when and where to block. His timing was always off, and he really didn't positively impact too many plays this year. Um, overall, they moved him to left tackle and said this is his natural spot. If you look, he started more games at, at right guard uh, and right tackle in college than he did at left tackle. So I thought it was interesting they called it his natural spot. He played one game, went up against Jadavion Clowney, and he got torched, and, and he looked just as bad as he did at right tackle, and then all of a sudden he was on, on IR. So at this point, two years in, with two years to go, uh, considering it, you know if he stays on this path, I don't know what you have in him. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter. I don't know if he'll ever be anything more than a, a solid backup. Maybe he can go to guard. Maybe he is a tackle, but you sit him for a year or two if Whitworth is extended, and you find out what you have. But again, that feels like a wasted pick because you don't take a guy in the first round that isn't going to contribute in the first two years. And in this case, three or four years, I just think right now uh, we're going to chalk it up as a loss. I mean, just after two years, I think most people are. Joe, I remember when he was drafted and I actually went back in the archives and I'm looking at Mel Kuyper's grade for the Bengals. And I always, I know that this is immediate and you never know how exact it's going to be, but I'm reading that Cedric Abwehi, this is the quote, is a top 15 pick if healthy, but he'll be coming off of an ACL tear. When you evaluated Abwehi back before the draft, before the Bengals picked him, where give us an idea of where you had him and why you had him there. I had him as a third, fourth round guy, and th- but that also considered his injury. Uh, without that, he probably would have been a second rounder just off of a developmental ability with his athleticism, uh, with his, his versatility and his starting experience. He would have been drafted high. I think when people say he was a top 10, top 15 pick had he not been injured, I think they're, they're assuming he develops that last year and that he continues to grow and, and continues to be a better player. I think they assume that that without that injury, obviously he would retain a little bit of athleticism. But at the same time, people start digging into those top 10, top 12, top 15 picks a little bit harder once draft season comes around. Once it was figured that he wasn't going in that top half of the draft, I don't think he got critiqued as much by the big guys, by the mainstream media, as Mel Kuyper, for example. So he ended up retaining that status or that title of a, of a top 15 pick had he not been injured. I don't think that was the case. I think he, he was probably an end of the first, second rounder based on uh, on, on tape um, with a little potential mixed in there. But I, would have, I wouldn't have taken him at least until the third round or so. Just based on injury, based on issues that he was going to take for him to overcome, he had a lot to overcome. And again, I still think for the Bengals, he's a developmental prospect that they took in the first round. And here they are now going into year three with him still developing. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe, I, I want to ask you because tied at, at the hip since they drafted Abwehi in the first round of the, the 2015 draft, then they take another tackle, Jake Fisher. Before we get into Jake Fisher's play this past season, where did you have him on the board in relation to Cedric Abwehi on your draft grades, your draft board in 2015? 
he had a fringe first, second round grade where I thought oh, Fisher should have went. I mean, where I thought a oh, boy, he would have went well, was kind of where the Bengals took him, but that's where I thought Fisher was definitely going to go. And a lot the day before and in the, in the in a couple of days before the draft, I actually thought Fisher was going to be that pick. Uh, they said they didn't expect a boy to be there. So they went with him and then came back and they were lucky to have Fisher still there. We'll decide if they, you know, in the next coming years, if they really were lucky or not, but they said they had similar grades on them, on those two. I can understand that. Uh, but I really like Fisher much, much more. I thought he could play. He could be a future left tackle. He can be a starting right tackle. He might be a guard. Uh, I think they'd even consider him a guard if, oh boy, he was playing well at tackle this year and you would lose Zietler. You might kick Fisher in the guard. Uh, that versatility, that he has great athleticism. I think he's even better athlete than Cedric Oboe, and I think we've seen some of that when when they use him at tight end and H back and things like that. Uh, I, I really like the idea of Fisher knowing he's going to be the right tackle the whole year, off season training for it, uh, the, uh, practicing for it, working on his technique, going into camp, being that guy. The offense was much better once he got into the lineup, and he wasn't perfect either. Fisher Fisher struggled at times with a lot of the same issues with with lunging a little bit, leaning, uh, having his weight forward and leaning on his toes and getting beat that way. Uh, but at the same time, he was much better as a run blocker than, than a way he was, and he held his own for the most part as a pass blocker. I think it, if you give him a full off season and you just plan on him being your right tackle, you can survive with Fisher being your right tackle just based on expectations and what little he did show in the time he started. Yeah, and the the thing that kind of baffles me, if they had similar grades, Joe, and we talked about this off air, if they had similar grades on Cedric Abwehi and Jake Fisher, why wouldn't you go with Jake Fisher considering one player was injured, one player wasn't going to contribute in 2015, and the other was? Yeah, that's the that's the hard uh, decision. I think a lot of teams have to go through that every single draft. Uh, normally, when you have a guy who's injured or or was recently injured, as a boy he was, uh, they they get a tag on him or, or a red line or or something to indicate that they have a flag and in, an injury. And they a lot of times will go on a separate board or off to the right of the board. Uh, the Bengals must have had a top ten, fifteen grade on him. They really must have for for them to consider him still at that spot in, in the twenties. Uh, to take them uh, again, I, if they did, uh, that was probably a misevaluation based on what we've seen so far. Uh, if the grades were really that close, if they had a top 10, 15 grade on a boy, and they told us that Fisher was right behind them, uh, and we have to take them for the word. I don't see how you take the injured guy before you take Fisher. It just it, it seemed like a missed opportunity to to go back to back at the same position when you could have filled maybe two holes take Fisher or take a boy and take someone else. Uh, it just seemed like uh, a, a bad use of resources, which has kind of been the theme of, of what brought them to this, this poor year this year. Yeah. And the thing is, and it's easier to say in hindsight and it's easier after a boy, he's bad season to, to say this, but I remember back at that draft when they picked those two guys back to back, it was basically an Andrew Whitworth succession plan and they were praised for that. But I look at it, they needed a young wide receiver that they didn't address. They could have potentially used a pass rusher, whether it was Bud Dupree or someone like that. They didn't pull the trigger on either of those, and now those are two needs still two years later in this draft. Yeah, you're right. Those were the two positions. Linebacker has been a need for them for plenty of years. Um, 
You're right. And maybe they take a corner that year instead and not have to take William Jackson the following year. Either way, there was a lot of options at, at that point. And, and going back to back on the same position, yeah, they had Andre Smith, who they wanted to replace. So I understood the, the first tackle pick. Uh, you never know when the cliff is going to happen for the aging veterans like like Whitworth. You never know when, when he just shows up one year and you're like, eh, he doesn't have it anymore. He's too old. So the picking two tackles made sense for that. But at the same time, uh, we've seen Whitworth has outlasted that projection. He's lasted two years and looks like he can keep going for at least another two years. So uh, when you bank on that pick, you bank on uh, them being good, both of them being good. The chances that both were being good are probably low as it is anyways. So it was kind of odd to put resources into the same same draft, same same position, and then to look at it two years later and going into year three, not really knowing what you have in either one, feeling slightly better about Fisher and really feeling down about a boy he right now. You're right. Hindsight is everything, but uh, where they're sitting right now, it, it looked like a couple of bad picks. That's Joe Goodberry. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He will join me for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure how many episodes it's going to take. We're going to wrap up or continue our coverage of the 2016 season in review for the Bengals. And once we wrap that up, of course, right here, we're going to dive into draft coverage. Could the Bengals pick a running back, a linebacker, a defensive end, a wide receiver, heck, a quarterback? You'll get all those thoughts, prospects they could consider in the draft, all seven rounds of it in one spot right here, Locked on Bengals. It will be the number one Bengals draft podcast out there. I promise you, you're going to get info here that you don't get elsewhere. I promise. And we will get to that after we wrap up the 2016 season in review. On Monday, we will get to the rest of the offensive line. We'll look at a few other positions on that offense And until then, I'm James Erpine. I hope you have a great weekend. Subscribe to Locked on Bengals, audioboom.com, iTunes, on Twitter, at James Erpine. Thank you for listening. And until Monday, I'm James Erpine, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds' hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.